Let's pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6. And so here's where we are in the story of Elijah and Elisha. We, we, this is kind of where we left off last week. And Elijah said to him, unto Elisha, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And the Bible says in verse 7, And fifty men of the sons of the, of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And so, and so there's kind of this audience now. The backstory is that today in, in Elijah's life, God's going to take him up. Uh, the prophets, the son of the prophets knew that. Elisha knew that. And there's a group of people that are kind of standing back and watching this thing afar off. But there's one guy, Elisha, that will not leave Elijah's side. As a matter of fact, we saw that all last week. Everywhere Elijah went, Elisha was like, no, I'm not waiting behind. I'm going to be right there with you. And so he is a picture for us. He's a, he's, he's a, a type in the Old Testament of someone who's committed to Christ, and he's committed to his spiritual mentor. He's committed to his discipler. He's committed to following this guy. No matter where God leads him, he's committed to follow him. But in the same context, there's a group of people that are standing kind of afar back, and they're just kind of watching and commenting. And there is a picture for us to understand this morning, because biblical discipleship, and let me give you the point, and then we'll talk about it. Biblical discipleship always results in committed Christ followers. Biblical discipleship should produce committed Christ followers, listen, not just casual, carnal Christians. Do you see the difference? There's one guy that's following Elisha every step of the way. And there's a group of people who are called the sons of the prophets. And the Bible says of them that they are standing afar off. They're standing afar off. They're not doing anything. They're just observing. They're watching. But there's one guy in the story who, who we're to be the example like. We're to be like Elisha. And, and so you see this contrast between Elisha and the sons of the prophets. And, and I think this is an important point. Look, Elisha wanted to know Elijah. He also wanted to know the God of Elijah. But the sons of the prophets only wanted to know about Elijah. And they only wanted to know about the God of Elijah. And, 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 and we know that because if, you, if, just, if you're in 2 Kings chapter 2, back up to verse 3. Look, what they, look at what those prophets, those sons of the prophets were talking about. If you look at verse 3, they asked Elisha, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? Hey, don't you know this? And Elisha's like, yeah, I know this. Like, hold your peace. You know, like, chill out. And, and they say it again in verse 5. Hey, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he's like, yeah, I, I know that. Hold your peace. And so what's interesting is those sons of the prophets were more interesting and more interested in what was going to happen rather than who was really at work. God was at work, and really God wanted a relationship with all those sons of the prophets. But those sons of the prophets didn't really want a relationship with him. They just wanted to know, hey, what's happening? Here's what I know is going to happen. They, they were concerned with the specifics. They missed the relationship. Do you see that? And so, and so listen, the sad reality is in our churches today, there's a lot of people 
that know about God. They just don't know God. They, they don't know God. They, they know about the Bible. They just don't know the Bible. And, and listen, I'm not being critical this morning. I'm trying to challenge us to see the difference between an Elisha and this other group of people called the sons of the prophets. And, and so Elisha consistently followed Elijah every step of the way. That means he was not standing still. But these sons of the prophets, the Bible says, they stood afar off. They were trying to view from afar off. And, and let me ask you a question, church. Listen, are you following Christ every step of the way? Or do you find yourself this morning standing afar off and just observing, just watching, knowing some things, but not really knowing who is at work in our lives, God the Father, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we see this same principle played out all the way through the New Testament. Peter is an example of this. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 58, when Jesus has been betrayed, he's going before the mock trial, uh, he's being beaten and scourged and, and mocked. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse 58, by the way, Peter, who in previous chapters said, Lord, I'm willing to die with you right? Talks cheap. It's, it's cheap in the New Testament and talks cheap in the 21st century church. Matthew 26, verse 58, the Bible says, but Peter followed him. How did Peter follow Jesus at this point? Afar off under the high priest's palace. And he went in and he sat with the servants, listen, to see the end. Are you kidding me? Peter, man, it's Peter. I mean, Peter's the guy that made that profession, I mean, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, man, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, he, Peter is the guy that got it right. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to Peter. God revealed that to Peter. You know who I am. And yet a few chapters later, Peter finds himself following afar off, looking to see the end of how the crucifixion really is going to play out. He's not with Jesus. He's viewing back. He's not walking step with step with Jesus. He's viewing from afar back. Well, listen, there were some other women uh, in the Bible, Matthew chapter 27. And as you study Jesus's ministry, there were a lot of women that ministered side by side to the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they provided means for his ministry. They, they certainly ministered to him and to the disciples. Matthew 27, verse 55 and 56 says this, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Well, they did follow him, and they did minister to him, but now they're following afar off. And, and, and God just kind of records their names. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joses, and, and the mother of Zebedee's children. And, and God just goes on record to say, man, these people were walking step by step with me, but now... They, they, they step back, and they're just watching and observing. Well, let me just tell you, in the New Testament, there's one guy, one disciple, that made it all the way to the cross with Jesus Christ, and his name was John. And if you come on Wednesday night, you'll learn a little bit more about John the Apostle. The Bible says in John chapter 19 and verse 26 and 27 that when Jesus Christ was on the cross and he was bleeding out and dying for our sin, to be the atonement for our sin. 
The Bible says in John 19, verse 26, that when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother, so his mother was there, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, and the disciple whom Jesus loved was John. He says to his disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. And here's the principle that we have to understand this morning. Listen, the closer, the closer you want to get to Jesus and the cross, the smaller the crowd gets. The smaller the crowd gets. Everybody wants to be discipled, but nobody wants to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, I appreciate Paul Clark, man, the guy that preached uh, this week at, at Discipleship Conference. He made this statement. Everybody wants go, to go through the, the, the material. They want to go through the course of discipleship. Unfortunately, many people don't let the course go through them. So, so we can't be followers of Jesus Christ from a distance. We can't stand back and watch afar off. Listen, Elisha was step by step with Elijah. He was a committed follower of God Almighty. He was committed to his discipler, and he knew he knew the God of Elijah. And, and there were some sons of the prophets that, by the way, were religious, but they did not. And the first th thing we have to consider in our life this morning is, am I a committed follower of Jesus Christ? Do I really know Christ, or do I just know some things about him? Do I just know some things about him? Do I really follow Christ step by step, or am I standing from afar off and just watching? And listen, I want to encourage the church. God, God never intended to save you to stand. God saved you from your sin so that you can walk with him, to take the steps of growth and maturity, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You cannot follow Christ if you are standing still. We cannot follow Christ if we don't move our feet toward his testimonies, toward his word. And so, you know, the first thing that we see out of this passage this morning is that Elijah led Elisha in such a way that he became a committed follower, not a casual Christian. And, and listen, God's not, God's not interested in us being casual Christians. We will never reach the world. We won't reach the world on spare time and spare change. We won't. And, and we won't reach the world as, as casual carnal Christians. We have to become committed followers of Jesus Christ. And I hope that frames uh, your salvation purpose this morning. It's to become a true committed follower of Christ. Okay, so, so pick it up in verse 8 because we've got to move quickly. So, so we see in Elisha, man, he's committed to follow step by step. Now pick it up in verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle, and he wrapped it together, and he smote the waters. And this is the waters of Jordan. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he, Elijah, said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I'm taken up from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And so just the scenario is this. Everybody knows 
that, that today in the story, Elijah is going to be taken up. He's going to go up uh, from this earth. God's going to take him up. And so he turns to his disciple, you know, his student, his learner, and he says, okay, what can I do for you? Like everybody knows I'm about to be out of here. What can I do for you? And Elijah answers a pretty wise request. He says, hey, man, I've seen how God's used you. I've seen how God's used you in the ministry. You're a man of God. I want to know the God of Elijah. So whatever you've got, I want twice as much. That's a bold request. It's a huge request. And and even Elijah kind of said, man, you're asking a hard thing. Uh, Here's how that maybe can happen. If you see me go up, then I think God will give you that. If you don't see me go up, well, you can't have that. And, and what's interesting is his request was, was tied to, again, his intimate following of Elijah. If Elisha decided to take that day off and say, man, I'm tired, I'm going to go take a nap, I'll catch you in a couple of hours. Well, that could have been when Elijah went up. And he would have completely missed it, and his request would have not been met. Okay, So here's the, here's the principle we got to learn. Point number four in your notes is this. Look, biblical discipleship, when it's truly accomplished in our life, it develops kingdom desires not carnal desires. Okay, so what did Elisha ask for? He asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Give me a double portion of your spirit. I want want that in my life. In other words, Elisha was intentional in his request. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted. I've seen how God used you, Elijah. I want to be like that times two. That's that's awesome. For the glory of God's sake, okay? And, and again, man, Elijah was a man of God. He knew how to pray to God. He, he knew how to preach God's word. He had raised the dead. He knew how to depend on God. And when Elisha saw that in his life, he was like, man, that's what I want. I want to be like you. Elisha didn't ask to be rich. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for prestige. He just wanted to be used of God like Elijah was. I wonder what we want out of Christianity, right? I mean, really, let's just stop and think about it, man. Uh, Here's here's what's key about Elisha, and I'm going to give you the the answer, and then we'll we'll get to the blank in a second, so don't, don't worry about the blank yet. Elisha wanted for his life what God wanted for his life, because we, we learned in 1 Kings chapter 19 that when God spoke to Elijah, he said, I want you to go anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphath. You're going to anoint him to be prophet in your room. In other words, God already knew that his calling and his plan for Elisha was to become the next prophet. That was God's plan for his life. Well, Elisha finally made his desire what God's desire was. Do you, do you see how that connection do you, do you see that? You guys are scaring me because you're like three of you are not in your head. His desire became what God desired for his life. So Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You say, hallelujah, man. I want a new car and a new house and a, and a new family and a new, okay, wait, hold a new job. Okay, wait a second. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you want what he wants for your life. So that's where the the breakdown many times between Elisha and us happens. 
he wanted what God wanted for his life. And by the way, the end of the story is he gets it. He gets it. Matthew 6, says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, and when you read about these things, it's food and clothing and raiment and shelter. All these things shall be added to you. When? When will I get those things? Well, when you start seeking God's kingdom first. And so Elisha really desired to be used of God, and that's what God wanted all along. Solomon is, a, is another great example. We don't have time, but, but when, when you go back to 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, Solomon had been anointed king of Israel. God came to him. The Lord came to him and said, hey, what do you want? What can I do for you? <laughs> and listen, man, if God came to you today and said, what can I do for you? How would you answer? And so Solomon, Solomon, I mean, listen, Solomon, as a, as a young man, said, you know what? Here's what I need. I need wisdom. You've called me to be king over your people. I need your wisdom. <laughs> I need your wisdom. I need to know how to go out, and I need to know how to come in. I need your wisdom to rule your people, God, because this is what you've called me to do. And the Bible says that when he answered God, that speech pleased the Lord. And God told Solomon, hey, that's the right answer. <laughs> I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm even going to give you some stuff you didn't ask for. <laughs> Riches and, and, and fame, and, and, and uh, I'm going to give you victory over your enemies, and I'm going to give you the understanding to discern judgment. The point is, our desire has to become uh, the same desire that God has for our lives. And uh, we don't have time this morning, but it's interesting that, that Elisha asked for a double portion. If you study that thing of double portion out, you go back to Deuteronomy 15, and the Bible says, and this, again, this is kind of Old Testament Mosaic law, but it talks about a man having two wives. That's not for you today. You don't need two wives, okay? <laughs> and now we're going to shift gears to a marriage conference. Okay, so <laughs> if a man have two wives, he's crazy. Okay, one beloved and another hated, and if they've borne him children... Uh, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be, be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, uh, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed firstborn. The point is, again, Deuteronomy uh, is spelling out kind of this Mosaic law. If a man has two wives and he hates one and he loves, maybe that's why he got the second one, right? Because he hated the first. Okay, that, that's not the way God works, but if he has children by both, the responsibility of the father is to the firstborn. And just because he was born of the woman that he hated, the wife that he hated, he can't neglect his inheritance. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, it says he's supposed to give him a double portion of all that he hath. Okay, well, we read in 1 Kings 19 that Elisha left his earthly father to follow Elijah. You remember that? When, when in 1 Kings 19, when, Elisha, when Elijah cast the mantle on Elisha, he said, let me go kiss my mother and father, and then I'm going to follow you. And literally, he walked away from his earthly physical inheritance of, of what God would have gave him through his physical father. And now he's asking his spiritual father for a double portion. In other words, you can see in that statement that his relationship, and we'll get to this next point, 
But his relationship with Elijah was as son to father and father to son. And he's asking his father, his spiritual father, man, I want a double portion of what you've got. You know, those, those people in our lives that are our spiritual fathers, spiritual mentors, I mean, listen, they are so important in our life. Elisha's desire was not earthly gain and earthly blessing. It was spiritual blessing. And it was a ministry that would glorify God. That's what he wanted with his life. And, and so the question for us is this, look, does the desire of our heart match God's desire for our life? Does the desire of our heart long for the spiritual things in this life? Or, by the way, those are the things that God wants for you. Did you hear me? Those spiritual things are the things that God wants for you. But, but does your heart desire that? Is your heart on the same page as God's heart? God desires those things for you. He desires to use you in ministry. He desires to make you a disciple of his. He desires to use you to reach the nations, however that fits in your life. But do you desire that? Do you desire that? I said at our discipleship conference, I had the privilege of teaching um, a couple of the morning sessions there, and I told the class that I was teaching, you know, there's, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no one that wants you, and, and I'm speaking the context of this, this class full of people from different churches. I said, there's, outside of Jesus Christ, there's nobody that wants you to grow in the Lord more than your pastor. Outside of Jesus Christ, there's nobody that wants you to grow more than whatever, whoever the pastor is of your local church. But the question is, do you want that? Do you want that for your life? I mean, I mean listen, your pastor can want it for you, but you got to want it for you. Elisha wanted it. I mean, he was like, man, this is what's most important. Give me a double portion of your spirit, Elijah. That's what I want. And, and Elijah was honest. That's a hard thing. If you stay committed and follow and see, then God will give it to you. God will give it to you. I think God gives us the desires of our heart when they are the right desires. And, and if we desire to know him, well, God blesses that desire. If, if we desire to be used in ministry, God blesses that desire. If we want a bigger house and a new car and a new job, listen, those things aren't seeking the kingdom of God first. We have to focus on him first. And then he gives us the resources to accomplish the mission. God knows if you need a new car, a new house, or whatever. He knows those things. It's focusing on him first. Okay, does our heart match God's heart, all right? That's a good point, amen? Let's pick it up in verse 11. Let's finish this up, all right? So the Bible says it came to pass in verse 11, as they still went on, remember, they've crossed over the Jordan, <clears throat> and so now it's just them two, uh, the, the sons of the prophets are on the other side of the Jordan. It came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and the horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha, what's the next two words? And what did Elijah tell him? If you see me go up. You can get what your desire is. Well, that means that Elisha never left his side. I mean, he's like, <laughs> you're not getting out of here. It's like a you know, cool game of hide and seek. You know, Elijah, Elijah's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do you see me? <laughs> so he goes up. That's a joke. So he goes up, and Elisha saw it, and here it is, and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes 
and he rent them in two pieces, and, and we'll continue this next week. But, but here's the point. A, he stayed committed to Elisha. Elijah. He saw him go up. When he went up, he cried out loud, my father, my father. And so here's what we know about biblical discipleship when it's done right. Biblical discipleship is rooted in a relationship. It's rooted in a relationship. You know, when we talk about following people that are following Christ, and we all need a spiritual mentor, we all need someone in our life that we can look to as a flesh and blood example of of, of a, a true believer in Christ, that comes through a relationship. And, and discipleship really is rooted in a relationship. That's why if you just miss that and you focus on information transfer, you'll fail. You'll fail. It's not about the information. We have to have information. We have to have the knowledge of God's word, but we have to have a right relationship with another believer in Christ. And so here's the principle. Look, Elijah, Elijah was intentional in his relationship. He was intentional in his relationship. Elisha was intentional in his request. Hey, what do you want from me? Well, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was intentional in his, in his relationship to Elisha. It was, it was as, this is your next blank, Elijah had the relationship of a father to a son. He had the relationship of a father to a son. Because, because when he goes up, I mean, his, his spiritual son is crying out, my father, my father. Here's what he didn't say as Elijah was going up. My instructor, my instructor. <laughs> my professor, my professor. <laughs> My teacher, my teacher. Listen, did he learn some things? Absolutely. But his relationship was that as a father to his son. And that is the New Testament model of discipleship. That is it. I mean, listen, Paul, I mean, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ certainly has the greatest discipleship ministry in the New Testament. All right? But the guy that executed it for you and I to see flesh and blood example for that is the Apostle Paul. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at some verses that reflect some of his ministry that he had with key men throughout the the New Testament, but throughout this discipleship process. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 22, he's talking about Timothy. And he says this, but ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Do you see the relationship there? Paul had a right relationship with Timothy, his son in the faith. He had a a real relationship that resulted in a committed Christ follower. It came through a relationship. It didn't come through just information. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, you know, that that church at Corinth, man, they, they were carnal. Man, they were divisive. Paul had a relationship with them. He said, here's the problem. Look, I write not these things to shame you. The the letter of 1 Corinthians is a rebuke letter to to deal with their carnality. He says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many fathers. And then he says, for in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you, through the gospel. 
you know, an instructor is just a schoolmaster, right? It's a professor, it's a teacher, and, and listen, I'm thankful for teachers, and I'm thankful for schoolmasters and professors and all those different things, but without a relationship, discipleship doesn't, without a relationship, discipleship won't be father, son, or mother, daughter. It will be instructor, student, and that's not what God, that's not the model that God's given us to reproduce. We Paul said, you got 10,000 instructors, Corinth, and even with that, you're carnal. <laughs> you, need, you need a father, and by the way, I'm the one that led you to Christ. I've begotten you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, just a few verses later, he says this to the Corinthians, for this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son. By the way, verse 16 tells them to be followers of him. And then he flips it and he says, well, I want you to follow me, Corinth, uh, but I can't get there right now, but I can send Timothy. Timothy is my beloved son. He's faithful in the Lord. He's going to bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul reproduced himself in such a way in Timothy's life. Timothy desired that for his life, and God used him Okay, Paul can't go, but Timothy can go. And Timothy's going to teach the exact same thing that Paul would teach, which, by the way, was the exact same things that Christ would have taught. Do you see that? It was all because of a relationship. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, again, he writes uh, these epistles. He's talking to Timothy. He says, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith. Philemon, verse 10, this, this young prisoner that was led to Christ by Paul I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. In other words, I led him to Christ. We were both in prison together. He's my son in the faith. Who is your son in the faith? To whom are you a spiritual father or a spiritual mother? You say, Jay, I need to, I need to learn to be a follower of Christ before I become that. That's awesome. But some of us, man, listen, we've learned some things. We've known some things. We've been following other men and women in our life, and, and we've been growing to maturity, we have to take that relationship and flip it now and become that spiritual father or mother to other people so they can follow Christ. It's rooted in a relationship. And, and then secondly, uh, you know, Elijah uh, positioned himself as a father to a son in this relationship. Elisha, well, listen, he had the relationship of a son to a father. Because when, when Elijah goes up, he says, my father, my father. It wasn't his physical father. We learned about him in 1 Kings 19. We know that. But we also know that his time with Elijah was so significant, so important, so spiritually focused, so ministry-driven, so God-pleasing, and he desired the right things for his life, that when, when ultimately God took one of those men, Elijah, well, Elisha missed him, and he longed for him, and he, and he, and he expresses verbally his desire uh, to be with his spiritual father. Listen, guys, uh, you know, we got one more week in our series on the mantle, right? Uh, but we're learning key principles of discipleship through this, through this series. Uh, and so this morning, uh, you know, a couple of questions that we have to consider. Number one, am I a committed Christ follower? That's the first, pl first place we got to start this morning. 
Am I a committed Christ follower? Am I like Elisha following Elijah step by step, no matter what? Or am I a casual Christian? And what I mean by that is I'm not saying you're not saved, but I am, I'm asking Christian, are you standing back afar off watching the action happen? Listen, God never called you to stand. He called you to walk with him, be a part of the ministry, be in the game. And, and, and listen, if that's you this morning, the beautiful thing is, is that God can walk you out of that. If you're a casual Christian this morning, if you're not really in the game, if you're not growing, if you're not connected to someone, you can allow God to change that in your life today. You can repent of that. You can, you can say, I need help. I need a spiritual father. I need a spiritual mentor in my life. I need to be discipled. And that's an okay thing to say, by the way. That's an important thing to say. And if that's you this morning, just own it before the Lord and say, you know what? I need somebody to latch on to that can be the flesh and blood example of what it means to be a Christian in my life. When I got saved at the age of 21, many, many years ago, <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> when I got saved at the age of 21, I had no clue about Christianity. I had no clue how to walk with Jesus. I had no clue how to read my Bible. I had no clue how to pray. I didn't understand what this was all about. And God put a man in my life to disciple me. And, and basically to walk me through a process of spiritual growth to help me grow in my relationship with Christ. God used a man to help me grow in a relationship with him. And God will do that in your life too. Are you a committed Christ follower or casual Christian? Number two, are your desires kingdom focused or are they carnally focused? In other words, if God were to come to you today and say, what can I do for you? How would you answer? Let me take it a step further. If your, if your discipler came to you today and said, what can I do for you? How would you answer? Elisha had the right answer. Hey, I want whatever you got, what God used you for, times two. Times two. And, and that's not a selfish request. That brings honor and glory to God. In other words, his desire was to see God's name glorified throughout the nations. Number three, do you have a genuine relationship with another Christian who's a spiritual father or mother in your life? Uh, there are still men in my life who I consider spiritual fathers, whom, whom I still follow and consult with and, and ask counsel of and ask them to pray for and try to model my life through the example I see through their life. And by the way, those men are continually following other men as well, uh, ultimately, so that we're all following Christ. Listen, if you don't have those things this morning, will you let God change you and walk you out of that into maturity so that you can please him?